0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the show this week. We are talking about something that's on a lot of people's minds, and that is the possible, the possibility of going into a not only national, but global recession. And so I wanted to take a few minutes to, um, help you guys kind of breathe through this and give you some tips to recession um, create a recession resistant business. Not that you'll necessarily be recession proof because we may all be affected by that, but it doesn't have to be the negative thing that the media and the news really want you to believe it is. And so first and foremost, um, I want to let you guys know that you're in control because you can control your thoughts, which is really one of the only things that we can control. And so I wanted to give you, I have 10 different, um, things that you can focus on to ensure that your business becomes recession resistant and not um, roll into panic mode because what we focus on grows where your attention flows, that's what will grow. So if you're focusing on the negative and you're focusing on all the bad things that could happen, you're going to perpetuate that energy and that's, what's going to be attracted to you. But if you focus on the things that you can control and the things that are within your grasp, the likelihood that things will go your way and you'll have more opportunities is much, much higher. So let's dive into today's episode. So before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you guys know, I created, I've just created a brand new resource that you are going to love. And it is going to help you create emails when you, even when you feel like you don't want to, when your brain is like, I have nothing to say, or you are just blankly staring at your screen going, I know I need to send this email out so I can be consistent, but, the ideas are missing. And so you have blank screen syndrome. That's one of my favorite terms to use this resource I've just created is going to give you 365 days worth of email prompts. And what that's going to do is it's going to ignite your creativity. It's going to let you think about things in a different way. And most importantly, it's going to keep you in front of your audience every single week or every day, if you choose so that they remember who you are. So when they're ready to buy, then they think of you. So this can be used in a lot of different ways. There's going to be a training that goes along with it so that you know how to break it up and use it to your advantage. And if you send an email, you've got content for a whole year. If you send them every day, or if you only send them once a week, you have a plethora of opportunities to, um, create emails and just have them in the queue. And you could even do a whole year at one time if you wanted to by mix and matching. So, that is coming out Monday. Um, and I'm very excited about it. It's called the email prompt 365 days of email prompts is how I've titled it. So that'll be coming out Monday and you will be able to find information on that, um, email prompt guide starting Monday. And you can find that at alisaconnor.com forward slash email prompts, all one word. Um, and you, we'll want to go check that out and grab it so that you can get your email jump started and building your business. So in the meantime, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey there, I'm Elisa Connor, ex corporate marketer turned entrepreneur. And along the way, I made all the mistakes just so you don't have to. Chances are you have a pretty full career. You've got experience, expertise, and probably a whole lot of education. The problem is, people can't find you. This is why each week on the second act entrepreneur show, we feature expert education, marketing insights, and mindset shifts that are going to help you create a profitable business. So you can secure your legacy, ensuring that you thrive, not only in your first career, but also your second act. Welcome to the second act entrepreneur. So let's dive into those tips that I promised you about how to create a, um, recession resilient, mindset. And I love the word resilient cause it means that you're a fighter and that you are going to make it through. And so the first one you may have guessed, I've already referenced it at the beginning of this episode is to work on your mindset. And so if you aren't focusing on the things that you do want, but instead are focusing on the things you're afraid of, as I said, your energy will flow to where your brain goes. And so working on our mindset and feeding it really a delicious, yummy stuff. That's going to make it think about positive, um, is really going to, it's going to empower you to stay in that higher energy. It's going to empower you to stay in that, um, more upbeat mode instead of being drugged down into the weeds with people complaining and people on the media that are telling you all the doom and gloom you've got to stay at a higher frequency than that. If you want to be able to propel yourself forward and be successful. Um, and one of the best ways to do this is to be grateful, practice gratitude, every single opportunity that you have, and that you will be surprised when you start looking for times to, um, practice your gratitude that they are everywhere. And one of the greatest practices I ever got into was creating a list of gratitudes every single day. Sometimes I do it in the morning. Sometimes I do it before I go to bed, but I try to at least do three and my goal is always 10. And I try not to repeat because sometimes we can get in this mode of like, oh, I don't want to call it laziness, but kind of where we're just like, we're always grateful for the same things. Yes. Still be grateful for those things but try to think outside the box and, um, really be grateful for things that you may take advantage. You know, you may just take for, um, granted and things like being able to hear, being able to see, having clean running water, like things that you just, they're so automatic that you don't think, oh, there's people in the world that don't have those things. Um, being able to walk down the street, um, and all kinds of things. And COVID brought a lot of that awareness into our brains, but now we've kind of rolled back into our new normal and we have started taking things for granted again. And so I just really, um, and not everyone, but that it's much easier to do that when you're back in a, in a air quote, normal space. So if you take the time to be grateful, it will actually open up, um, that part of your brain that is always looking for other ways to be grateful one of the um, things that i often do with my kids when we're out eating and they they have um recognized it now is that if we have a really good weight person um i will call them and their manager over and and it's really important that the manager is there and i will tell them what a fabulous job they're doing and how lucky they are to have them as an employee and just how grateful we were that we got such great service and you should see the effect that it has on the wait person because 90% of people, in fact, they kind of freak out at first. Cause I'm like, yeah, could you bring your manager over? Um, because they were like, oh, crud, what did I do wrong? Because that's the immediate response. It's like, somebody's going to complain. And when they are called out for doing a great job, they just light up and their manager lights up because they're just like, oh my gosh, somebody is grateful that we're here and for what we're doing. So if you can do that for, um, the people in your life and also do it for just people that you don't know and do it for things that you are not, um, necessarily always aware of, you're gonna see a shift. You're gonna see a shift, not only in your business, but in your perception of the way the world works. So that's number one, change your mindset and be great, be grateful. Um, tip number two, is to always be looking for opportunities and not fear. And what that means. So as entrepreneurs, we're in the business of solving problems. And the reason that we have jobs at all is because there are problems that need to be solved that our skill set match and that we can solve. And if the problems went away, we would have no business <laughs> to you know to create. And so m- some of the best businesses have been, m- have been built and, um, some of the most profitable businesses have been built during times of uncertainty, during times where other people were running like, um, you know, crazy people running around, like hoarding their money. And I, it just reminds me of, um, 1929 when the uh, great depression hit and you just had people like throwing themselves off buildings and like worst case scenario. But if you dig in and you start looking for problems that you can solve, and they may be different problems than you're solving right now, you will always have a job. You will always have an opportunity. So when we look for those opportunities to collaborate opportunities, to help other people, to help other audiences, to help in a, in a new way, creating a new product, that's solving a new problem. That's the evolution of entrepreneurship. And when we focus on the opportunities, guess what? We're going to get more opportunities instead of focusing on the doom and gloom of, Oh, this might happen. That might happen. Train your brain, go back to step one, train your brain to instead look for the opportunities. And they will be plenty. And one of the best ways to do that is to look at things. I've trained my kids in this too. Look at things and, and ask two questions. One, um, if something isn't being done right or something isn't being taken care of, what is one thing I could do to solve that problem? And the second thing is, is if that problem is being solved ineffectively, what can I do to solve it effectively and, and better, quicker, faster. So looking for those opportunities and keeping your mind out of the fear mindset is really, really going to help you um, stay resistant regardless of what comes down the pike for you. All right. So let's dive into tip number three, which is we need to meet our customers where they are, not where we think they should be. And a lot of times we will go out and create products and services and, um, offers for our clients that they're either not ready for, or they don't know that they're ready for. And then we end up frustrated and overwhelmed and stressed out that we're not selling anything. But if you take the time to go and research your customers, figure out where they're at, what they're having problems with, and then develop an offer or a product around that, um, big issue, the likelihood that you're going to succeed and get them to purchase is much, much higher. So let's look at an example, a very, um, well-known example, um, of the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. So it's sort of comical to me that they have built a, it's more than a following. It's like a cult of people who love the pumpkin spice latte. And, um, Starbucks, I don't even know how old it is now. It's probably a good 15 years old, that pumpkin spice latte. And so, you know, rather than waiting until a certain time of the year, like, you know, say September 1st to deliver that pumpkin spice latte, they actually watch and see when their audience says to them, Hey, I'm ready for that pumpkin spice latte and they anticipated, and then they deliver. And so instead of waiting for their timeline of when they think the pumpkin spice latte should be available, they have tuned into their audience, tuned into the, to the purchasers, the consumers of that pumpkin spice latte, and then begin offering it when they hear enough of a buzz around people wanting that. And so if you notice it's becoming earlier and earlier, it used to come out like maybe in October, And every year it seems to get a little bit earlier because people are anticipating fall and they're ready and certain things will happen in the weather. And so how can you do that with your product? And how can you start to think about promoting a product at the time when your customers want it versus a time when you want it? This recently happened to me in my business where I was doing some audience listening. And, um, I kept hearing over and over, I don't know what to write in my emails. So I just don't write them. And that keeps me from being consistent. And I don't know where to start. I just stare at my screen empty. And so what I have done is I've created that, um, 350 days worth of email templates. And so it, are email, um, starters, and it, it's gonna give people the opportunity to then look at that list and recharge their brain get an idea that they may not have had before, which will get them writing an email that keeps them consistently in front of their audience. So look at your products and offers and see what is missing. What are your people asking for? And what can you create that meets them where they are? Because everybody has to start somewhere and not everybody's going to come in and buy your high ticket offer but they may get started with you at a lower entry point. And so if you can be aware of that and you can create a product and service that meets them where they are, then you can move them through your funnel into additional products and services. So number three is to meet your people where they are And that leads right into number four, which is give people an option. Um, to not invest at the highest ticket level with you. Like what other options can you give people where they can still work with you, but maybe not pay your, you know, move right into your highest ticket offer. So a lot of times when coaches, consultants, and course creators come up with a product, they think I'm only gonna sell it at this one, this one price, it's gonna be, you know, say $5,000 it's $5,000 to go coach with me. And they don't think about all of the people that can't invest $5,000 with them right now, but would love to work with them. If they could get some traction, generate some revenue so that they can move into that $5,000 product. And so when you're looking at your products and services, is there a piece of something that you already offer that you could sell at a lower entry point to people that would get them some results, some traction, perhaps a, a sale or two, that would then give them the revenue to move into the higher ticket offer or the next, you know, the medium offer that then gives them more results and moves them into the higher ticket offer instead of just like one and done. So if you aren't scaling your products and services, this is a great time for you to think about how you can do that. Um, so that's number four, give people options in what they can pay and, um, give them results so that they can keep moving through your funnel. Because once somebody has purchased and they've seen results, you've built trust with them and the likelihood that they'll move into another product with you is much, much higher. So number five is to get really, really good at what you do. Now, in my industry, there are so many people that do marketing and there are so many people that do marketing not well. Um, and if you can get really good at what you do, into the point that you stand out and you can, um, show your expertise and you can talk the talk, not just, you know, and walk the walk, then you're going to stand out in a crowded industry. And it's going to be more likely that you're going to, um, stick out in people's minds as well. And so when you have that opportunity, you're going to be top of mind versus somebody who is a generalist and really can't, um, get dive deep on a subject. But when you become the expert, you know, the most about what you do, than practically anyone else out there, people are more likely to know like and trust you and tune into what you're saying. Um, and so the other key piece of this, which usually is met with resistance is get really good about what you do for a particular audience. And so rather than saying, I do online marketing for all entrepreneurs. If I say, I help second act entrepreneurs, people that are moving into their second career harness the power of email marketing to increase sales, build relationships and build long-term wealth and legacy. That's very, very different. And so the, the more you can talk to a specific group of people about the problem you solve for them, the higher it will be that they will find you, be attracted to you in your message and move forward in working with you. And so now more than ever, with things kind of tightening up, the more clear you can get about who you help and how you help them, the better uh, traction you're going to get, and the uh, more likelihood that you're not going to struggle to get clients and the other piece of that is that it also helps you build relationships and it doesn't feel like you're just talking to everyone um and so that is tip number five is to get really good at what you um do and get really specific about who you do it with so we got like a double dose there so tip number six is get real with your expenses. so many times when we invest in things both in our business and our personal life it can be easy to forget that you have a subscription that you're paying for something that maybe you're not using all the time. Um, and those expenses add up. And so if you're trying to cut back on expenses and bring in more revenue in order to, um, shutter the, uh, in order to thrive through a potential recession, decreasing your expenses is something that you are able to do. And so I always look at things, um, in my business that I invest in, is it creating some sort of, um, return on investment? Is it a tool that is actually generating sales? Because if it isn't, then I'll look at it and go, okay, is there a different way I can do this? Um, and sometimes that investment, maybe giving your time back. That may be the return on your investment is it's giving you more time. So that is a valid investment in your business. But if you're just paying for things because somebody told you about it, or you thought you should sign up for it, and it's not really generating leads traffic or sales, then it's probably a good time to take the ax to it. So a great way to do this is to pull your credit card statements for like the last two or three months in all of your life and just see like where you're spending money. I know for us, it's, um, going out like, feeding a family of five is expensive regardless if you go to the grocery store or go out. But I noticed the months that we spend a lot of time going out to eat, um, it gets pretty expensive versus, you know, taking like maybe reducing that by half and taking the time to plan a menu and do, you know, more fun, fun things here for, for meals, um, is a quick way for us to reduce expensive. So, Um, things like turning the lights off in a room. Like I feel like I'm turning into my parents, but turning the lights off in a room you're not using, um, you know, electricity, it adds up. And so there may be things in your business or in your home life. Like there might be subscriptions to Hulu or, um, Disney plus or Netflix or something like that, that you just don't utilize very much. Or maybe those are the only things you use and you can get rid of cable. Um, but just looking at things like if you're trying to tighten your belt, looking at your expenses and see, what are the things that you're actually using? And what are the things that especially in your business are giving you some sort of return on investment and kind of axing the rest of them out. And the nice thing about that is that one, it not only frees up some income, but it, it also frees up some mental space because you're not worrying about paying for things that you're not using. And that does take up space in your brain. So that is number six, get real with your expenses. Number seven is to get scrappy with your organic marketing. And so yes, the world that we live in has shifted. And in order to get some real traction, you probably need to plan on investing in some sort of paid advertising. Does that mean you need to go crazy? No. Does that mean that you have to invest in paid ads on every platform? No, but it also means that if you're going to create organic content, make it really good, make it valuable to your audience and make it, um, promotable so that and the reason the way, you know, if something is promotable is how much interaction you have with it from your ideal clients. So if you have posted, say a podcast episode, just like this, people are loving it. And they're talking about, that could be something that would be promotable on whatever platform is your favorite. For me, that would be either LinkedIn or Instagram. Those are my two places I love, um, and promoting it so that you get more eyeballs, on your page, on what you're doing. And even on, um, perhaps a free resource you're trying to promote to grow your email list. Now, my knowledge of ads is probably medium level. I'm not a, an advertising expert, but I have done enough to know, um, that there are certain ads that will cost you more money. And if you can, create some really good organic content and then promote that content. It becomes easier for you to then run your promotions around your launches around your email opt-ins and things like that. And so think through the strategy of advertising and don't just throw money at something because you're trying to sell something, because that may actually cost you not only, um, the advertising costs, but also the opportunity to build relationships with people that you put that stuff in front of. And so, um, think about, you know, how can you get in front of more audiences for free? And if you are gonna promote things, promote them with intention of moving people through the relationship building p- um, phase of your sales funnel and um so other ways to get in front of our other audiences is to create some collaborations to um see if you can guest on other shows or um podcasts to um create events that are um t- uh industry building so maybe you're if you're a coach for example and you focus on resilience, maybe you find a coach that focuses on another modality, or you find other people like you could work with marketing people that would also have people that need coaching. Um, if you're a, um, career coach, for example, you're trying to help people find new jobs, think about the other things that would go along with that coaching perspective. It could be somebody that evaluates and, um, updates resumes so that they are more, they get more traction, um, to get them in front of the right people and get an interview. It could be somebody that is really well-versed on LinkedIn and they can help them update their profile and get the right things on there. So that when recruiters or, um, HR people within the company are going to check out them out, check them out on LinkedIn and other social media platforms, they see the same story across every platform. So things like that, um, are great ways to create organic traffic and getting, getting your, your stuff in front of new audiences so that you can build some more organic, um, growth without investing a lot of extra money or time. Number eight market while everyone else freezes. So I have seen this specifically with business owners and entrepreneurs. The first thing they will cut back is their marketing budget. And even big corporations will do this. And unfortunately what happens is that if you only invest in your marketing, when you have money, the likelihood that that marketing is going to be effective in bringing you new clients at that point is, is slim. And so having a marketing plan that you work on thick through thin, and maybe you, um, reduce the amount that you spent on certain things, Um, but just having a consistent plan for your marketing, rather than just like amp up here and cut back here, amp up here and cut back here, the consistency of putting your marketing and your messaging and your content and your promotions all, um, at regular intervals is going to be better for you and better for your business. Now I have a client who's a chiropractor who did, um, this exact thing. (laughs) He, invested when he was really, really busy He had a lot of clients, he invested in his marketing cause he had the, the money to do that. But, um, then he didn't do anything for a year and now things have slowed down and he doesn't have the money to invest in marketing. And if he would have kept the momentum going, he wouldn't have experienced as big of a slowdown. And so when you're thinking about your marketing, don't, um, just give up because money is tight try to do what you can and then increase your budget as you know, your revenue, uh, allows, but giving up your marketing completely because you're too busy or you, you know, don't have the money to invest. Isn't gonna do a thing for your business. It's gonna actually be detrimental in the long run. So, um, think about your marketing plan. Think about how you can be consistent with your marketing and think about how you can create a plan, that allows you to, um, maybe ebb and flow with your business when you need to, but that you could still remain involved and, um, moving people through a funnel because when you drop the ball and you do nothing, you have to, it's like when you're running up a hill, (laughs) if you, if you're running already or you're pedaling your bike really fast to get up a hill, it's going to be much easier to get up the hill because you already have the momentum moving of, um, you know, moving you up the hill. But if you stop at the bottom of the hill and you start running or start riding your bike up the hill, it's much harder to get up that hill because you don't have any momentum behind you. So how you can create that momentum in your marketing, um, is to be consistent and just do, you know, even if it's just two or three consistent tactics every week, stay consistent with those things. And it's going to help you in the long run. Okay. So that's number eight consistency and market while everyone else is cutting back. Number nine is to constantly be feeding your brain. And you may be thinking, I have no time. I don't have time to feed my brain, but you can't become an expert and you can't stay an expert in your field if you aren't continually feeding your brain. So if you're an entrepreneur that could look like listening to audiobooks. that could look like listening to a podcast that could be look like reading a couple of chapters of a business book prior to starting your day. It could be any number of things. What I love about audio learning is that it, enables me to do something else while I am learning. And that could be riding my bike. It could be, uh, going for a walk. It could be driving in the car, any of those things. But when you constantly feed your brain and give it new information, you will rise above your competitors naturally because you are learning new things. You are able to absorb new things quicker. And staying on top of that and putting new information into your brain keeps your brain more active and hence more creative. So the activity increases creativity and the learning will always keep you one step ahead of your competitors and of other people in your industry. Cause most people just won't take the time to do it. And they will attend a once a year conference, retain 10% of what they learned, and then they're off for the rest of the year. Whereas if you are consistently adding just one podcast episode per day to your brain, you don't even need to go to the conferences. You just seek out the information elsewhere that you would learn in that conference. And most of the people that speak at conferences are consistently putting out content that they are going to talk about at a very high level at a conference. And so, um, get scrappy, get smart, and stay ahead of everybody by tuning in regularly and feeding your brain. And some of that can also be taking in information that feeds your mindset. And that's not necessarily just knowledge about your industry, but it's ways to start thinking about things differently than your competitors and other people in your industry think. So, um, those are, some, some tips and thinking, um, you know, taking it, I love podcasts. Obviously I have a podcast. I listen to podcasts regularly and, um, I will even seek out podcasts that are not within my industry specifically to see how they are approaching business differently. Um, how they, they, um, work with their clients, how they promote their, um, offers differently just to see, you know, how something very, very different. So for example, the craft industry, how are they marketing? What can I take from that? That is going to feed my business and help my clients. Um, you could look at the spiritual industry. You could look at, um, just some random hobby you have. (laughs) So for me, it's cooking. And I love to see how the, uh, YouTube stars of the industry of cooking, put their stuff out there. And like, of course, for me, I'm like, oh, you should do this. You should do that. You know, I, I, I try not to shoot on them too much, but there are obviously things you see when you're good at your job that would help them, um, generate more revenue, but just it makes you aware of not only shifts that are happening in your industry, but shifts that are happening at a global, um, level, and then you can prepare for them so that, you know, sometimes it takes a little time for different industries to catch up to what's happening in some of the, um, faster moving industries, but you can be aware of them when you step outside of your boundary box and continue to learn from others. So number nine is to feed your brain and number 10 feeds right into number nine. And that is to constantly be working on your self development. There is not a time, that, uh, I don't have at least one self-development book going along with other books right now. I'm reading the power of one more by Ed Milet. It is a fabulous book. Um, and it talks about just, you know, when you're ready to give up to just do it once more and see what happens, just get up every day and say, Nope, I'm doing it one more time. And it's very inspirational. It is not necessarily related to marketing or email marketing or anything like that, but it is something that feeds me to become a better human on this planet and impact others to become better humans as well. And when you're focused on self-development and you're focusing, focusing on improving yourself, it is much easier to reflect or to, uh, deflect the negative talk outside of yourself and the negative, um, conversations, the negative interactions, all of that stuff, because you are building up your center and your, um, internal dialogue to a level that it's easier to just deflect what's happening outside of you, especially, uh, when it comes to media and the news and things like that. So, There you have it. That is the top 10 ways to create a recession resilient business. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have enjoyed it, I would love for you to leave a review over on iTunes, Google play or Spotify or your favorite podcast listening, um, arena. And if you think a friend could benefit from this episode, share it with them. I would love to be able to inspire them to do better, be better, and have a profitable business. So thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you being here in the meantime, take care, be well, and stay safe. Did you miss something during the podcast? Maybe forgot to take notes. No worries. We've taken all the notes for you, all the resources, links and information in this episode, you can find over at elisaconnorcom forward slash podcast. That's A-L-I-S-A-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash podcast. Looking forward to seeing you next week.